listening to audio from Oasis Church in Winter Haven, Florida. For more information about Oasis Church, please visit our website at www.oasischurchwh.org. And thanks so much for listening. series, if you will. They used to do those on television. You would watch it, and uh, then it would be next week. You'd have to wait on the middle and then find the conclusion. Well, this is kind of a mini-series, just a three-parter, taking five ideas and compacting it into three weekends. And I know that for some of you, you find really hard to believe because I can take three and turn it into seven really easily. We're taking five ideas, and we're squeezing it into three. We're talking about discipleship. And the first week we were together, we we tried to define discipleship according to what Scripture says, and we've kind of boiled discipleship down into this definition. This is the one that we're using here uh, in 2018, and we reserve the right to tweak it as we go along because that's just what we do, and, uh, you know, we may have a better idea moving forward. But right now, we're calling a disciple a follower of Jesus striving to imitate and obey him. A follower of Jesus striving to imitate and obey him. You see, a disciple is not just a believer. You can be a believer in Christ and not be a disciple. In so many places, Jesus called people to follow him in order to be a disciple. I want you to drop what you're doing and I want you to follow me. I want you to put me in the center of your crosshairs of your life. I want you to order yourself behind me. We've been doing some discipleship training on Saturday mornings with a group of folks that are in just a little while going to be equipped to take that particular material and then do some discipleship training with some of y'all that can't be out on Saturdays. You say, that's just not a good time for me. That's okay. Just hang on. We're, uh, we're preparing about five or six folks that are going to be able to do this for y'all at a time that's most convenient for y'all. And we've been learning that a disciple is someone who puts Christ in their crosshairs. And just this past Saturday, we were talking about two different individuals. Maybe you'll remember these. There was the, the individual by the name of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector and he was consistently robbing from his countrymen and doing the bidding of Rome and he was getting filthy rich. And because of the, uh, in, the, the effect of Jesus on his life, you see Zacchaeus going, Lord, uh, I want to follow you. And, and if I've stolen anything from anybody, you, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to give it all back and I'm going to multiply it by four and I'm going to make sure that I get it okay. Because Zacchaeus, when he came into contact with Jesus, put Jesus in the center of the crosshairs of his life. But then there was another individual that asked Jesus, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said, what does the law say? And the guy says, I've been doing that all my life. I've been doing that all my life. I've been following the law. I'm good there. Jesus, I think, probably smirked a little bit because he knows better because there's no way we can even come close to obeying the law. He kind of smirked a little bit and he said, I'll tell you what to do. Sell all you have and give it to the poor and then come follow me. You know what that fella did? That fella walked away. Why? The scripture tells us because he had much wealth. What was in the center of that man's crosshairs of life? His money. You see, the difference between a disciple and a believer is whether we're going to put Christ in the center of the crosshairs of our life and follow him. That's a disciple. 
Not all believers are disciples. All disciples, however, are believers. And we've searched the scriptures over the last number of years here at Oasis Church. We've come to this conclusion that Matthew 28, 19, and 20 gives us our priority as a church. Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and make disciples of all nations. And I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I want you to teach them everything I've commanded you. And don't you worry, I'm going to be with you all the way to the end of the age. I want you to go and make disciples. And what are disciples? Disciples are followers of Jesus striving to imitate him and obey him. What did Jesus do? That's what I want to do. What did Jesus say? That's what I want to obey. So we're called to make disciples. We boil that down to two words. We say we've been called to make disciples, which we make it easy. It's rhyming words. And they are what? Two things, reach and teach. We've been called to reach those who are outside of the faith introduce them to the gospel who is Jesus crucified and risen when they trust Jesus by faith receiving that free gift placing Christ in the center of the crosshairs of their life then we're to teach them and to train them in the way that they should imitate and obey him reach and teach how are we going to do that that's been the purpose of the last couple of weeks how are we going to make disciples We've got these little icons that we see on our visual here. We've got a little puzzle piece. We've got a heart. We've got a leaf. We've got a globe. You've seen those out in the foyer, and they're connected to four words. Connected to four words. So how are we going to make disciples as a church? As a church, we've decided here's what God's word has said. If we're going to make disciples, it's got to be in connection to the body. And last week, we discovered that God designed us as disciples to uniquely fit together as a, a building and a body of a common denominator, and that is faith in Christ empowered by the person of the Holy Spirit. We're designed to connect. Some of you have been to Legoland. Some of you have stepped on a handful of Legos. Legos are a part of our life, and we just get it, but they fit. And, and some of you have kids that just have millions of Legos and they put those things together and you say what is that and they go it's a it's a dragon you're like really it just kind of looks like a blob of blocks is what it looks like but all right those Legos are designed to just snap together that's how God designed us as followers of Jesus striving to imitate and obey him he's designed us to connect interdependent on one another and not only that we've seen that that and that's the puzzle piece by the way that's the ones you know you snap together and all okay so we connect and we're together fit and it's perfectly designed the way God intended and then we go to the little heart icon here from there we begin to serve and we saw that in in first Corinthians chapter number 12 last week where Paul is talking about look guys you got to be connected and you got to be using the gifts that God has given you. Last week, we, we talked about how that God, 
he, he gifts us, and I did like a little pixie dust kind of thing. It, I don't know why, but I just kind of imagine God sprinkling a little salt gift on us, you know, like you do the vegetable soup. And he, he comes along, and those followers of Jesus, he just he sprinkles a, a gifting on you. This is not something you were born with. This is something that God, you know, his child is born, he's in the family, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to be able to encourage folks supernaturally because I've given you the gift to do you know what I want to do? I want to, I want to give you the ability to speak wisdom into situations. And you would have never had that wasn't your buddy. I love you, but you're a dummy all by yourself. I'm going to give you some supernatural wisdom to be used in the body. While we're connected, we're to serve one another. Because what you're gifted in doing, I need. What I'm gifted in doing, you need. And my gifts are not more important than your gifts. And, and, and we all fitting together need to be doing what we're designed to do which one of the bricks on the house is the most important that's a bad question none of them are more important you say well the foundation is the most important aha what is our foundation jesus christ and we're all fit and built on him right makes sense god's real simple with us because he knows we can't handle a whole lot of what he's able to communicate so we fit together like a body We serve together out of our giftings. And we argued last week when we are not intentionally connected, when we are not intentionally serving, discipleship is not happening. Because connection is the context of discipleship. That doesn't mean that you can't get up and do your devotions in the morning and and learn something, get excited. We're talking about true discipleship, becoming a follower of Jesus, striving to imitate and obey him. God has designed that to happen in the context of connection with us together. So discipleship is not happening where we're isolated and separated and I'll do my own thing and that's our norm. That's what most of us, there's a few of you out there that are energized by people and that you're not the norm. Most of us want to isolate and God said, I know because I'm going to put you together and I'm going to make you fit because that's where discipleship happens and service is where we begin to, to uh, begin to build that body because of what I'm doing, the strength I'm giving, and, and what I'm receiving from others. So connection and service. The context, the activity of discipleship. The context is in connection. The activity is in service. And here's what we said last week. It was not a promo about life groups. We do life groups because you need to be connected We have life groups because connection is important. And apart from a tool to get you connected, you'll wander off. We don't need a fence for the cattle if the cattle will stay right there in one spot, right? I mean, we don't need to keep the horses in the corral if the horses will stay there. But what will the horses do naturally? They'll just wander. Say, Kevin, are you calling me a horse? No, God called a sheep. We don't keep the sheep in a pen uh, we, don't, we don't remove the pen because they're going to stay. We put the pen around so that they'll stay because they need God. That's what we're here for, to give you an opportunity to connect. Right now, we're doing that in life groups. We're doing that in men's and women's groups. We're doing that in all other types of, of ways that we're trying to get you together in discipleship classes and things, to connect. And then we're saying, how are you serving? Where, where are you using your gifts? Do you even know your gifts? 
We'd love to help you discover those gifts. And all you got to say is, I don't know my gift, Pastor Kevin. I will put you on a plan to teach you your gift or help you discover what God has given you to be used for the body. Connecting, serving. The context of discipleship, the activity of discipleship. Today we want to talk about the last two, and they are grow and go. Grow and go. We've talked about connect. We've talked about serve. Today we're going to talk about grow and go. Grow is the expectation of discipleship. Go is the goal of discipleship. Grow, the expectation, and go is the goal. I love what, what uh, Mark chapter 4, verse number 8, I've been throwing Gavin some, some curveballs with the verses today. I'm not going to read it all, but I just want to give you that thought. Jesus was telling the story about the sower that went out and sowed seed. He talked about some that fell on rocky soil. He talked about some that fell on soil with thorns and, and, and on the path and the birds and the thorns and the not very much soil. But then there was some seed that fell on good ground. And Jesus said, and the other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain growing up. We're going to read this verse in a minute as we get a little bit more specific. But I just want you to think about What was the purpose in the sower throwing seed out? Well, the purpose was obviously fruit. We'll get that to a minute. But before the fruit can come, there's got to be growth. When you put the little seed of flowers in your flower bed or you put the, you know, the little sprig in there, what do you want? You want that thing to grow and we'll put miracle grow. We'll go out and we'll water. We'll do all kinds of things, rain dances and all kinds of stuff to get those plants to grow because when they don't grow, it demonstrates they're not healthy. Growth, Jesus said, when the seed falls on good soil, it will grow up. Growth is expected. We're going to just list about three things about growth. You, you know what it is. If you're parents, you've brought home children, and you know what you expect out of them, and that is for them to grow. When you take them to the doctor, they put them on the scale or they, they stretch them out. And you know, they don't like it when they do that. They stretch them out and they measure them. And the doctor looks at you and says, well, you know, this is really not what we were hoping. They're a little underweight. They're a little under length. Well, we know there's a problem when growth is not happening. No one goes in and takes their 13-year-old that they're still carrying in the bassinet and saying, Doctor, we're, we're here to, to see our appointment. We've been coming to you now for 13 years, and this baby's sucking on a bottle, and it's still only that long, and wearing diapers. And, you know, the, the doctors aren't going, Oh, he's still so cute. I mean, it's just, I guess he's just going to stay this small, and you're going to have a baby all your life. No, that's not healthy. Well, neither is it for followers of Jesus who don't grow. Growth, will say, first of all, growth is God's activity and our response to it. Growth happens when God is active in our life and we respond to what God is doing. See, growth is not our efforts. And growth, growth is not like going and working out and, and, you know, trying to put in a more, the more I do, the more I grow. No, growth is God's activity 
with our response to it. Philippians chapter number two, verses 12 and 13. Paul says, therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, uh, not only as in my presence, but much more in our absence, he says, work out your own salvation with with fear and trembling. Sounds like he's saying it's on you to work it out. But, But listen to what verse number 13 says. For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Class, who who do we have resident within us if we are followers of Jesus Christ by faith in his death and resurrection? God has sealed us with whom? The Holy Spirit. God is in us and actively, I know I point, I don't think he's necessarily confined to the chest cavity, okay? But you know what I'm saying. I really don't even know how it works. But God is within us in the person of the Holy Spirit. And he is actively pursuing the life of Christ in us. So God is at work in us. And, 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 and Paul says, look, here's what you've got to do. You've got to respond to that. You've got to work out. Now, some nutritionists and folks that do work out will probably argue that within our, our physical makeup are all of the chemicals and components and the, you know, the, the things that are necessary for us to be in good shape. They will say, what you really, you're not transforming your body into something that it's not designed to be. Your body is designed to be healthy. And if you put the right things in it, then the right chemicals will work and they'll do their thing. And, and you won't be like me. And you won't, you know, you won't carry and, you know, be dragging stuff around. You would, you will be healthy if you just respond to what your body wants to do. Now, those of you who are theologians will go, yeah, but sin, and I know, just, be, just bear with me. Okay. So it's just pretend it's the same way with who we are in Christ. You see, we've been given the source of our growth, The Holy Spirit, it is God who is at work. God does not take a day off from his work in us. He doesn't call us one day and say, you know what? I've had a long weekend, you know, the whole thing over there. And I'm just, I'm kind of wore out. You're on your own today and I'll be back with you on Tuesday. It doesn't happen. God is always at work to do and to, you know, to help us to will, want to do. And you know what we got to do? We got to get up and put our tennis shoes on and go to the gym and work out what God is wanting to do. And it doesn't come from my activity. It's just my response to God's activity. When you pick up God's word and do your devotion, you are not growing by seeing what God's word says. You are growing when God's word says something and you respond to it. I can go, I have a membership at Planet Fitness. I can go to Planet Fitness and sit on every one of those machines. I can sit on them all. I can adjust them to my right height. I can get them at my right wingspan. I can do all that. And you know, those machines aren't going to do me any good if I don't push on them, right? So it's the same way with us. It's God's activity, but it's our response. Look at... uh, 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 through 5. He says, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk, 
You know, it's, he's, not descri- he's not saying, you know, kind of like newborn babes long for the milk. That's not what he's saying. That long is an imperative. He's saying, hey, like newborn babes, you need to crave the milk. And what do newborn babies do? They want that milk at all hours of the night. And they won't shut up till they get that milk whenever they want it. I'm not bitter though. Paul says, like newborn babies, that's what we, we need to be hungering and craving that pure spiritual milk that by it, you may grow up into salvation. He's not talking about that you may be saved by your longing for milk. You know, we, we are saved to the uttermost when we, by faith, receive Jesus as our When we take the free gift and we embrace it. And Jesus becomes our Savior and Lord. And we go, I want you. Then we are as saved in God's eyes as we're ever going to be. I mean, we're just as secure. We're his child. Our home is in heaven. Our our account has been started. And our rewards are going to be able to be built. And God sees us as his child. But we're not experiencing everything that we will experience. We have the opportunity to grow into that salvation, to grow up into the salvation that we enjoy. Just like kids, you know, they see these things in in, in dad's, you know, on on his dresser. And we look, we're up there, we're being nosy. And we're up here, we're climbing and we're looking and we're saying, ooh, I like that. And what does dad go? Ah, son, leave that alone. I mean, you you can't handle that right now. Just leave that alone. It'll be yours someday. And then that day comes and you recognize when you're mature enough, it's that day dad comes in and goes, hey, I want you to enjoy this because you've grown up, you've proven that you can handle this, this is now yours. The same way as we grow into our salvation, we just get to grow up and enjoy and be excited about what we have, we aren't experiencing it all. And when does that stop? It don't stop, it keeps going. So I want you to long for that milk, long for that sustenance so that you can grow up in your salvation. If indeed, verse number three, you've tasted that the Lord is good. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, as you come to him, a living stone, you yourselves, verse number five, like living stones are being built up as a spiritual house as we come to him we are growing and as we grow we grow how about that as you grow as God grows you as his activity is released by your response as you grow guess what we grow how cool is that as you become more mature in Christ we become more mature in Christ. It's really quite fantastic, but it's quite simple as well when your child grows up to be able to drive. Now, all of a sudden, it's not up to me and her to go do and take and deliver. Now we got me and her and him who can go. And our him, bless God, is here. We enjoy it. But we miss Rhett because he's another set of car keys going and doing. And now that he's in Tacoma, we got to do more. So as you grow, we grow in our effectiveness and in our walk. 
John chapter number 15, verse number four says, Jesus said, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus said, abide, what is abide in me? It's maintaining that vital connection between branch and vine. Now just imagine the beautiful apple tree in grandma's backyard and that one limb that you've hung on and you've swung on and you've pulled apples off of for as long as you can remember and grandma's getting a little older and she says, you know what, I love the apples from the tree but it's just hard for me to go out there and get it in the mornings. The ground is, you know, it's uneven. I'm not, you know, I'm just not real sure about my stepping and, and you go, you know what, grandma, I'm gonna help you out. I'm gonna bring that branch inside. So you don't have to go out anymore. So I'm just going to get the saw. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to cut that branch in. I'm going to bring it in, set it wherever you want, wherever you can reach. And then that way you can just get your apples from the inside. Right. How stupid is that? Because as soon as you take the branch away from the tree, what happens? The branch dies and nothing. And Jesus said, you grow as you remain connected to me. Because it's not about what you do. It's about what I'm doing in you. And we've already learned, and then it requires us responding to what he's doing in us. So growth is God's activity in the follower of Jesus, in the disciple, and it is our response to God's activity. Second, growth is evidenced by fruit. Let's stay in John 15. The next verse, Jesus says, I'm the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me, whoever remains vitally connected to me and I in him, it is he who bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Growth is evidenced by fruit. Let's go back to Mark. Mark chapter four, verse eight. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. You say, well, well, which one am I? Am I 30, 60, or 100? That's beside the point. The point is God's producing the fruit. God's doing, you're just responding. If, if God reaps 30-fold from your branch, he's excited about it. If God reaps 60 or 100 from your branch, he's excited about it. It's not for you to brag about. That's God's activity in you. But the point is, growth is evidenced by fruit. He'll go along in this in John 15. He'll say, if the, if the vine dresser comes to the branch and sees no fruit, what does, the, what does the vine dresser do? He takes that branch away. You know why? Because it's a waste. It's wasting nutrients and not producing. Don't be afraid. Don't take the metaphor too far. He's not saying he lops you out of the family. He's just talking about he's interested in growing fruit. Now, we all know if you've ever uh, raised crepe myrtles, you know you cut the little saplings off and you know what they'll do? They'll grow right back. So don't be bothered by the fact that the vine dresser takes away. He's not, he's not disconnecting it from himself. He's just pruning it to do what? Spark new growth for the purpose of fruit. You say, well, Kevin, what is fruit? I'm glad you asked. This little discipleship curriculum that we're using here at, at, on Saturdays, we're in volume one. 
On Tuesdays, I'm leading a guy at the mission through it. We're in volume number two. And I love what the curriculum's called fruit. He said, what is fruit? And, and it took us through and defined fruit as this. Fruit is character, conduct, and converts. Character, conduct, and convert. And you can find this in God's word. I won't take the time to defend it but I can if you like for me to afterward. It says in God's word that, that there is character that, that the spirit is trying to produce in us. And that fruit looks like love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness, you know, all of those things. God is trying to produce the character of Jesus in us so that we look and sound and act and react and live our life looking more like Jesus than we do ourselves. Not only that, he's interested in that character producing conduct. Not that we just say we have love, not that we just say we have peace, but that it is demonstrated by the things we do, the words we say, how we interact with others others so our character our conduct and then converts you say wait a minute Kevin I can't save anybody no you can't but you have the word of salvation if you know Christ as savior and when you put the word of salvation before someone who is lost and God uses that word to draw them to himself guess what you get the credit for producing a disciple a convert it's an exciting thing when someone comes to know Christ because you took time to invest the gospel in them. And God says, I expect that to be what happens. Growth is God's activity and our response to it. Growth is evidenced by fruit. And last, growth in others defines our strategy as a church. Growth in others defines our strategy. Ephesians, I'm sorry, let's do Colossians first. Colossians 1.28 says, him, Paul's saying, him, Jesus, we proclaim. We're warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom. Why, Paul? That we may present everyone mature in Christ. Your growth and the growth of those who come in that don't even know they're gonna be a part of us yet. That's the, that's the drive of, of our, our passion as a church, their maturity, your maturity, your becoming more mature, your growing in the faith. That's why we do what we do. Hebrews chapter number 10, verse 24 and 25. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some is, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We're to encourage one another. I kid with Andy a little bit. We, we were talking a little bit about, you know, just some of the stuff that, that he likes, the, the energy drinks. And we were just talking about caffeine and all that kind of stuff. And so at Life Group, I was like, well, you know what you need to, and I'm not no nutritionist. Look at all this. So, but I was telling him about some things that have helped me with, you know, how caffeine has, you know, come. Whoo, and so I've dropped it. <clears throat> and I was just telling him, you know, look, you ought to think about this and wean yourself off. And we did that on one Sunday. And then sure enough, I, I bugged him like Monday morning. I sent him a text and went, and I just put down the ingredients. Know this, know this, know this. And I sent it with a smiley face, you know, hoping that he wasn't going to text me back and go, hey, look, leave me alone. I'm a grown man. I don't need you telling me what to do. 
I mean, why was I doing it? Because, you know, I want Andy's heart to last longer. You know, if it ain't pounding so hard, that cat, it's going to last longer. So what was I doing? I was, I was trying to stir him up a little bit, just to kind of get it going. And we are called to do that. You know what? That's iron on iron. That's what that is. That's iron coming along and rubbing. And there you go. But that, that could cause some friction and some sparks. I know it will. But when y'all are done, boy, the, both of them will just cut paper. That growing and encouraging and stirring one another. And do, for what? For our growth. So that we might produce fruit. It defines our strategy. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Paul says, and he... He's talking about God. Back to the sprinkling. Okay, we're back. Not, not, anyway, we're back to the gift sprinkling. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers for what? Verse 12 says, to equip the saints for the work of the ministry for building up the body of Christ. There are those that God will gift to be agents in the context of equipping, okay? There are those that God will say, here, I'm gonna, your gift is gonna be primarily for equipping others to do what I've gifted them to do. And you're gonna help them discover their gifts and you're gonna empower and you're gonna spur them on. You're gonna gig them along the way. That's what you do. And I gave some apostles, prophets, shepherds and teachers and, and, and that's what they do. They equip the body for the work of the ministry. There never was a day when the church comes and gets preached to about how to live in their own private little context and then the pastor and the leaders are the ones who go out in the world and do the gospel work. You know, they're the man of God out there doing God's work. Uh Uh-uh, that's never been true, although that has been our reality. The way it's supposed to work is we get together and we encourage one another and God gifts those that are just kind of to maintain the fence and keep everybody in line and just kind of encourage one another in their growth. Why? So we can fling the gate open and all of us go out and do God's work. Not just me. If you're counting on me to do the work of the ministry here, listen, we're going to be so far behind. In fact, we're already a decade behind. We ain't never going to catch up if it's up to me to do the work of the ministry. That's our job. And that's what we're to do as a body. It defines our strategy. Go, okay, they got to grow. We got to do all we can do to help you to grow. How do we grow? By responding to God's activity. And how will we know? By the fruit that God produces. Growth. It is the expectation of discipleship. Happens in the context of connection, and it really gets spurred on as we begin to serve. Lastly, go. Connect the arena of discipleship. Serve the activity of discipleship. Grow the expectation of discipleship. Go the goal of discipleship. Go the goal. So you're raising children. And they get up to about 18, 19, 21, 25 and you're thinking, all right, done all I can do. Don't know what else to teach. Don't know what else to do. Here's, here's what needs to happen. Little birdie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, get out, fly to nest. Because yeah. y'all know that this whole living, uh, 
one of mine has this idea that he's going to live with us till he's 69. I'll let y'all figure out which comedian that is. Uh, well, we've asked him, so uh, what about when you have a wife and children? Oh, yeah, they'll stay too. I mean, we're just going to, no, no sign, not happening. You want them to get out. You love them. You want them to come back occasionally, but you want them to fly, right? That's the goal is to go and do and be. In all seriousness, be what God has designed you to be. Don't, don't just use what God's given you. Be what God's designed you to be. That's, that's the goal is to go. As we connect, as we serve, As we grow, our responsibility is to go and bring others along with us. There's no audits allowed. If you you go to a college or university, you can go to the registrar's office and you can ask if you're interested in a subject. And I would encourage you to do this. You might not even know you can do this. You can go to a university or college, community college. You can go to the registrar. And if you're interested in a particular subject or in some kind of subject field, and you just like to learn more about it, a lot of these schools will allow you to audit a class. You go and you pay a minimal fee. If they've got room, their seat's open, hey, they love for word of mouth to be out there and telling the community, saying how great we are, and they'll let you audit a class. You can sit, you can listen, you can buy the books, you can read, you can engage in the conversation and all that. It's just when test time comes, you're laughing at all the other students because you ain't got to take the test because I ain't doing this for credit. I'm just auditing the class for my own interest. Well, that's all well and fine when you want to learn about something in our world, but there's a lot of followers of Jesus. There's a lot of believers who are trying to audit their life, trying to audit the, 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 the growth that they're supposed to be, that's expected of them, and they go and they say, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm just going to take it in, but as far as the test, no, I'm not, I'm not taking the test, I'm just auditing this. No, that's not the way it works. The goal of all that God is doing is that we go is that we go and 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 going whereas like with school you don't get to go until you go through 12 13 14 years and then you graduate and then you can go and you can't go until you've gone through your four years of college so i get it's not that way we can go as soon as we're born As soon as we're born and adopted into the family of God by faith receiving Jesus, we are equipped immediately to go and share all that we have been given. You say, well, I haven't been given much. I just, all I learned was that Jesus died in my place for my sin and that he rose from the dead and that anyone who, who receives that as payment for their sin and they, they want to be forgiven by God and they recognize they need him, they can receive Christ and they can be saved. That's about all I know. That's all you need to know. But right now, you can go. There's a whole host of millions that have never heard that. You're equipped It's the goal. It's what's expected when discipleship is happening. Here's how we go. We go, obviously, when we take the gospel to others. But we go when we pass along to others what we have personally learned. I love 2 Corinthians 1, 3 through 4. Here's what it says. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Have you gone through something difficult? 
if you're a follower of Christ, then you've got the promise that God is full of mercy and ready to comfort. And he will, if you step into his embrace, he'll, he'll show you mercy and he'll give you comfort. And he, verse 4, comforts us in all of our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Now imagine this. I don't think, I don't believe it, that God creates problems for his people necessarily. He may allow us to go through difficulty, but I don't think that sin or the curse of sin is God's desire for us, okay? I'll, I'll pick on, on Nedra a little bit. I don't think God's desire for Nedra was to have to uh, engage with cancer, I don't see that in scripture that God says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to sprinkle Nedra with some cancer. I don't see that. I see God over sovereignly over a world that he made and gave complete opportunity to embrace his love or reject him. And when we rejected him, sin came into our reality. And I think that scripture will far better defend a God who is sovereign. Okay. All right, y'all plunged yourself into sin. I'm still sovereign. I'm not going to cause you. I don't desire for you to go through difficulty. But since difficulty is associated with sin, don't you worry about that cancer. Because I'm going to walk you through that. I, I got this. You know, I got this handled. We're going we're gonna to walk through this together. And here's what I'm going to do. The, so you faced difficulties. Some of you are right in the middle right now of a situation where you feel like the psalmist. Like you feel like you're out in the desert and you're looking up at God and you're going, so what's up? I mean, really? You're leaving me here like this? I ain't heard from you in weeks. And here's the promises, and I ain't seen the first one fulfilled. My water jug's empty. I don't know what happened to my crops. My family's left me. God, are you leaving me too? And you go, you could say that. Read the Psalms. They say it all the time. God, I'm so mad at you. I cannot believe you would do this to me. Some of you feel like that right now for whatever circumstance. That, that word that we just read from 2 Corinthians says that the God of mercies, the God of all comfort, he'll come along and he'll comfort you. We miss it a lot of times because we want God's comfort to be what we want. You know, when, we, when I say, you know, I'm tired, you know, I, I might want to go to bed, but I can't go to bed. I got to do something. So I don't like what God's given me. And I'm going to say, you're not comforting me. God's like, I am comforting you. You're just not paying attention. God comforts us in our situation. He'll do it for the purpose of you taking that comfort that he's given you in your situation and recognizing this one over here that's hurting and taking, hey, can I just share with you what God's done for me? And he, he didn't do what I wanted him, but he, he did do what. Go. Every one of you, if you know Jesus as Savior, have experienced the mercy and comfort of God. The way God has moved in your life 
It may have taken you a while to recognize it. It may, be, it may have just taken you a minute for you to get yourself aligned with, okay, God, you're in control and I'm not, so I'm going to accept what you're doing. But you've got what God's given you. And he's given you that not to help you feel better. He wants you to feel better, but you know what he wants you to do? Now take that over there and show it to you, brother. Take my comfort over there. That's why I give you so much of it so you can go take it over there to them. Well, what are they going to do with it? Well, they're going to receive it. And then what are they called to do? God's going to come along to them and go, hey, you know what? Why don't you take that over to you? And it just moves and grows. And so this going, yes, it's about taking the gospel out. That's a, that's a no-brainer. Tell people about Jesus. But it's about taking what God has done for us, through us, and passing it over to the one who needs it. We go as we take the gospel our faith, our gifts, and our experiences outside of our comfort zone. Remember what Acts 1.8 says? Jesus told his disciples, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses. You're gonna go and witness to who I am and what I've done and what I've promised. Where are we gonna do that, Jesus? You're gonna do it in Jerusalem, right here. That's where we are, in Jerusalem. And then you're going to do it in all Judea. Okay, y'all been there before. And then you're going to do it in Samaria. Oh, we don't like Samaria. I know, that's why I'm sending you there. You don't like it, and you need to learn to like it because I like them folks, and I want them to hear. I want them to know about me. So get over there and tell. And then to the ends of the earth. Well, we've never been there, Jesus. Well, you just start walking, I'll tell you when you get there. Oh. We go as we take the gospel, our faith, our experiences, to those that are around us and then outside of our comfort zones. There's a place we like to minister. There are things we like to do. There are are comfort zones who's like, you know, okay, I'm going to draw a circle around here and I'll talk to anybody who's in my circle. I get outside the circle and I don't know what I can. God says, yeah, you can. Because there's folks out there that I want to hear about me from you. Because that's the goal of this discipleship thing, that you represent me, yeah, where you're at, but where you can't imagine. There's a group of folks that came several, several months back last year, and they sat in front of us, and I said, let's go to the Dominican Republic. And they're like, well, how long are we going to be there? I don't know. Well, how, how long are we going to stay? I don't know. How much is that going to cost? Be quite frank with you, I don't know. Well, how are we going to earn that money? I really don't know. But it was it just kind of one of those, hey, you know what? Let's just, let's be reckless. Let's just be reckless in this thing. And let's just say, if you feel like God wants you to go, you just plant that stake and you say, God wants me to go and I'm going to trust him to provide. I don't know of a one that said to me, Kevin, God wants me to go on that trip. All right. I don't know of a one that said, God wants me to go, didn't go. Everybody that said, I think God wants me to go. We went. And you know how much we had left over after all the money got dispersed? About 800 bucks. So, I mean, you know, God provided exactly what we needed. He said, I can't do that. You're talking about getting outside the comfort zone. I'll never be able. You might be surprised at what God can do in somebody who can't do it on their own because of what he sprinkled in you that you've not activated yet. Go. Go. Why don't we grow? Why don't we go? 
I got four ideas that I think stand in the way of us growing and going. I think some of us don't grow in our faith, in our walk with Jesus. I think some of us don't go to those that we've been called to because we're just stalled. Are are you growing today? Like really, really as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, are you experiencing growth evidenced by fruit, conduct, character, converts? Are you, are you experiencing that? You say, not so much, not so much. Well, I wonder if it's because you're stalled. You know, it's, it, it's not because you quit. I mean, you didn't, you didn't say, you know, I'm done with this. It's boring. I don't, you just got stalled out. You just kind of ran out of gas somewhere. You just need somebody to help you get back on track. I mean, you, you want to be growing. I just said that. You're like, no, I'm not growing. And I want to be. What's up? You probably got stalled out somewhere. You know, something got more important than your walk with Jesus. Life might have got a little crazy for you. Circumstance might have just got you stalled out. Really what you need is just somebody that will stop and help you get back on track. You know, that's what we hope that we're able to do for every one of us. Just get you back. All you need was just a little, little nudge. Can I tell you that if you're not growing right now, You're just a response away from sprouting up because it's God's activity and all you do is just respond. You could begin growing again today by just responding to what God's word has said to us. Some of you just need just a little nut. Can I tell you? You can grow and it can start right now. Just respond and keep responding and we'll keep nudging. You keep responding. Some, Some of us though aren't growing and we aren't going because we're stuck. Not that we've, we're stalled, we're stuck. And we, we, we were growing and then we got over into something that was stuck. Maybe it was a ministry area that just burned us out. If somebody put, you know, a tool in our hand that we don't know how to use and we just use that tool and we're banging on them nails with the screwdriver and I don't, this don't make sense. I mean, we just get stuck in it. We're just like, I just don't, I, I, I'm, I've tried it and I just can't because I, I just, I don't know what I'm doing. And you're discouraged and you're stuck. You don't know how to get. Some of you may be in an area that you wish you weren't in. You know what? We don't want anybody in this church doing anything they're not passionate about. If you're stuck and you're not growing, and it's because that, you know, you tried and you just mired up to your waist and I just can't get out. You know what? Maybe you just need someone to come pull you out, rescue you from being stuck. You know, we don't know you're stuck. We can't help you out if you don't tell us. We can come along, we can ask, but we're real good at smiling, going, yeah, I'm doing great. Oh, yeah, just loving the Lord, just trying to live for him. And, and really, you're stuck. What you need to be able to say is, hey, you know what, I'm, I'm kind of stuck right now. I just feel like I ain't, I'm not moving forward. I'm just stuck. I need somebody to pull me out. That's what we want to do. The nudging's not helping because you're wiggling in the quicksand. I can't get out of here. Okay, let's get a little bit deeper and let's help you out. Get you growing again. It's just a request away. I think some of us are not growing. I think some of us are not going because we're satisfied. And that's sinister. You know it. 
It's kind of like, well, I, you know, I've grown and, and I've come to this place in my life and, and now it's just it's time for the young people to take over and they just need to, you know, the young people just need to step in. I just need to step back away or, or you know what, uh, I got too much other stuff. It's because it ain't just the old folks are letting you in. So, you know, they're, they're doing it and it ain't my time yet. I got to do my thing. You're satisfied with where you're at. Oh, man, my, my ticket. I got my heaven ticket punch, Kevin. I'm a follower of Jesus. And, and I know some stuff. And I can tell you all the books of the Bible. And uh, I know a few of the stories, too. I've taught Sunday school a time or two. I'm good. You realize we're never good? We're never good. I know in our physical life we go, you know what? I've grown all I'm going to do, and I'm growing out. And I know that, hey, the next celebration is going to be that celebration of life. And I don't want to do that, you know, that our walk with Christ is not like that. Our walk with Christ is about resurrection and, and always becoming and always growing, never reaching the height that God wants us to grow to. Unfortunately, I think some of us are satisfied. You realize I can't do anything for you there but pray for you and pray, God, will you break their stony heart? We just, we just go in with your little plow and just break up that hard ground because they're satisfied and where they're at. God, you're not satisfied. You want them to grow and, and produce fruit and, and there's still, still life in them so there's more growth for them. Maybe that's you right now. Maybe you're mad because I called your heart stony and rocky. Sometimes we don't go, we don't grow because we're sick. We're stalled, we're stuck, we're satisfied. But some of us in the room today are sick because of sin. And it's there. And we've grown accustomed to it. And it's just kind of become a part of our life. We're afraid to say anything about it because if I say anything about it, then everybody will think differently about me and I just can't tell. I'll get it right. I'll get it right. But let's be honest. If you're not growing and you're not going because you're sick because of sin, you know you've tried to get it right and it don't work. You've tried and you've tried and you've tried to get it right and it don't work because you're in the closet. You're in the closet with your sickness trying to get better. When the answer to your sickness is in the body. Kevin, that's embarrassing. I know it's embarrassing, but you know what it is? It's freeing. Once the body is walking with you in your sickness, you know what all of a sudden you got now? You got a bunch of folks that are coming around you saying things like, Hey, I get where you're at. I struggle with that. Hey, yeah, I, 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 I struggled with that for years and years before I ever just kind of got it out and let the body walk. And you start discovering, oh, wait, y'all ain't perfect? No, I ain't perfect. We were doing that too. We were thinking that too. We were going that way too. But God rescued and And we want to help you. Freeing because there's nothing to hide no more. There's nothing that's going to keep you sick. Get released from that. God gives you forgiveness instantly. And then guess what you start doing? You start walking back the other way. And, and <laughs> growth immediately. It's just a confession away. 
just to a brother, to a group, to your pastor, to someone who's going to help you find that discipleship that comes only as we connect, serve, grow, and go. So what are you today? You growing? Are you growing? Or are you stalled? If you stalled, you can grow. Just respond to what you've heard in God's word today. You stuck? Hold up your hand. Can, can I get a little help? I'm stuck, aggravated, frustrated. Anybody want to help me? And we'll come a running. We'll get you out. You satisfied? God going to bring the plow. He's going he just going to keep digging till that heart responds. That's going to be my prayer. Are you sick? Come to the doctor. Not me, but your Lord. And then get around folks that have been to that doctor and experienced the healing that comes through him. And we'll just walk together. And and guess what? As you grow after being sick, as you grow, guess what we do? We grow. So, are you connected? Are you serving? Are you growing? Are you going? If not, this is going to be a real aggravating place for you to come every week. Because that's all we're going to be about as we wait on the return of our Savior, our Lord. And when he comes back, no need for no more of that. Because he'll bring to completion what he's already begun. But until then, let's work together. Let's stand. You respond, having heard God's word today. What's he telling you to do? My advice to you, just do it. Just do whatever he says do, and then watch what he does in you. Father, we thank you for the day. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your son. We thank you for the privilege that we have as a local church to be about the growth and development of any and everybody who comes in these doors. God, I pray that you will help everyone understand that we're all on this journey together. That you are designed, you've designed us to connect, and we need to respond. May not be comfortable. We need to put our put ourselves in that arena of discipleship. You've designed us to serve. We might have been burnt out. We might not know what to do, but you've called us, and I pray that you'll help us to get busy with the activity that brings about discipleship. Father, I help ask that you'll help us to see that you expect us to grow. And where there is something in the way hindering our growth, give us the courage to confess it, to remove it, to get it confessed in the body so that we can have brothers and sisters walking with us. I pray you'll stir us. You'll pull us out of our stuck. You'll plow up our hardness. And then God, give us the courage to take what we have now and go. Go, go, go. Like there's no tomorrow because... There just might not be for some. God, give us courage. Give us boldness. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said.